Welcome to the Talking Villanova Basketball Podcast presented by Hartford Funds. In each episode, two-time NCAA champion coach Jay Wright chats with figures from across the spectrum of the Nova Nation and beyond. Current players, prominent alums, and national basketball figures are all part of the mix as we honor the 100-plus year history of one of America's most storied college basketball programs. The Talking Villanova Basketball Show, hosted by Jay Wright, originated in 2001. The program, now in its 20th season, shifted from terrestrial radio to the world of podcasts in 2019. This is a production of Villanova Sports Properties in conjunction with Villanova Athletics. Hartford Funds is in its third season as the presenting sponsor of the Talking Villanova Basketball Podcast. We invite you to settle in and enjoy as Coach Wright takes us into today's conversation. We are together today via the magic of Zoom and uh, Coach, we've got a very distinguished guest here and we've got a special situation here uh, you and our guests are, are, are ready for. So I'm going to let you describe what this is for our podcast audience and also on the visual side. Thank you, Mike. Um, yeah, Coach, uh, Coach Ravelin we have on today is one of the great Villanova legends of all time, a real jewel and the crown of Villanova and uh, in the world of basketball and really in the world in general. Uh, it's, it's just such an honor to have him on. Great to see you, Coach. How you doing? It's great to see you, to see the campus in the background. It brings back a lot of fond memories. And uh, I, I, I'm going to try so that we don't muffle our sound. I'm going to take my mask off when, when I get ready to respond, to go on camera and that. But uh, I thought that we would be respectful of our lives and the lives of our fellow citizens and make sure that we're exercising discipline by wearing the mask also. I love it, Coach. Great example to set. I'm glad we start off that way. We come in and... Uh, Wear masks as, as, a, as really a respect for um, your fellow man and woman and uh, not just for yourself. Oh, you're always insightful, man. I love it. I love it. Hey, we're going to talk today. This is such an interesting time in our, in, in our society. And we're, we're going to do this segment. We're actually going to do another segment at another time with Coach Raveling um, on, on a more current issues, but um, because we're talking to our guys, and we met today about this, about being educated about, about history and being intelligent about history uh, so that um, you, you, your energy that you have, our, our team's generation right now, is, is so important, but you even come at that and you come at that um, passion that you have uh, with an understanding of your past, and there's no one that knows the, the past of Villanova basketball, and especially um, the, the black man and, and black woman's experience at Villanova uh, better than Coach Raveling. There's, there's so many great stories about the history of Villanova. Coach, I'd, I'd like you to start today with just you as a, as a young black man in Washington, D.C. growing up. What was your thought process at that time of, being in high school and going to college, you know, what, what, what was it like at that time for you as a, as a great basketball player? Well, well, Jay, first and, and foremost was the, the first breath that I ever breathed as a human being was in the hospital that was segregated. I was born at, at, in, uh, in Garfield Hospital in Washington, D.C., and it was a segregated hospital. And the hospital had four floors, and in the basement, there was a, there was a, a, a medical care for, for uh, a black folks, or as Negroes, as we were called then. And you, you entered the hospital from the, the back. And so the first breath I... Uh, breathed as a human being was into a segregated uh, uh, a world and and most of my young years were sort of dramatic. Uh, my dad died when I was nine. My mom died when I was thirteen, and I ended up 
having to be put in a boarding school, a Catholic boarding school up in Pennsylvania. But the world for a young black person like myself at that time in Washington, D.C., you know, people said, well, did you ever dream you're going to be a coach? You're going to be this. Black people didn't have the luxury to dream in those days. You, you, every day it was a, it was about survival, and we lived over top of a grocery store, and uh, there were three apartments uh, above the, and and there was one bathroom, one tub, and one sink, and so the three uh, uh, units uh, we all had to we used the same bathroom, the same. And so we had to work out a schedule to make it work. But not once, and I don't say this in a disrespectful way in my life, that my mom or my grandma or ever say to me, when you grow up, you're gonna to go to college. It was, wasn't something that you thought about. My parents never finished high school. So why would they think that George is gonna to go to college? And it was only through the grace of God and basketball that I ended up ever being able uh, to get a college education because my parents would have never been able to afford it. But every day as a young person, you, you get up in the morning and, and it was, it, the challenge was to survive that day. And so you could look out at the world in a tiptoe stance and, 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 and wonder, uh, are we going to make it, make it through the day? But some kind of way, with the grace of God, I, 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 I had a lot of people who saw things in me that I didn't see in myself, and helped mentor me along the way. And 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 I was uh, ever blessed uh, to 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 get a scholarship to to build over. And uh, how did you get the Archbishop Carroll High School coach? I didn't go to Carroll. I went to uh, uh, when when. When my mom died, my mom had, a, I'm sorry, when my mom had a nervous breakdown and they had to institutionalize her. Uh, so now the question becomes, what do you do with George? My dad's already dead and my mom has a nervous breakdown and she had to be institutionalized. And so uh, a, a family that my grandma worked for, uh, she, she was telling the lady the house about the, the dilemma and she and her daughter uh she said well karen she works for the catholic charity she can probably maybe help and so the daughter got me into this boarding school st michael's up in hoban heights pennsylvania which probably the the largest big town would be scranton but it's really about six or eight miles from tunkanic and so i was in boarding school for the rest of the time until i graduated uh and um and from high school, and then I, I went to, uh, to Villanova. What's interesting, Jay, is uh, one of my relatives sent me some pictures that they had found uh, that my, uh, one of my aunts left behind. There was a picture, and one of them was a graduation picture when I graduated from St. Michael's, and there were only seven of us in the senior class that and that. And so it, it's, it's been a, a long journey to, to where, uh, who would have ever thought I'd be blessed to, to live on this planet for 83 years. What, did, what, what were you thinking at that time? You graduate high school, were you, were you highly recruited? And, and, and what, were you, what were your choices? Like at that time, there weren't, like the Southern schools didn't um, really take black athletes. What were your options at, the, at that time? Jay, it, 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 it's, it, it, it's amazing when, when you put it in this historic context. So my senior year, I, I really have a, a, a big year. And at one time, I was the third leading scorer in the state. And we, we played this team, St. Rose of Carbondale, and, and an away game up at Carbondale. And so after the game, I, uh, I come out of the locker room and, and a gentleman comes up to me and he says, he says, uh, George, I'd like to introduce myself to you. Well, in those days, if you were a young person, you were taught 
children should be seen and not heard. So I just said, uh, nice to meet you, sir. And, he's, and he, he hands me his card. He says, my name's Jack Ramsey. I'm the coach at St. Joe's. Wow. And, and, and so I just listened and he said, Wait, uh, I've been following you. I really like uh, your talents and that, and, uh, and we, we'd like to offer you a scholarship. Well, first of all, I didn't even know what a scholarship was. Mm -hmm. And, and so uh, he talked and then he, and then he ended and said, well, we'll be in touch with you. And so when we're going back on the school bus. My coach says, George, who was that you were talking to? And I handed him the card. And he said, well, what did he say to you? And I said, well, he said he was going to give me a scholarship. And I said, coach, what's a scholarship? <laughs> I, I had no idea that it was anything like that. And so to tell you an interesting story, and then we'll come back, is when I told my grandma that I had been offered a scholarship to Villanova, she, she wouldn't believe it. When I told her on the phone, she just went silent. I said, Grandma, what's up? You, what, you still there? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, how come you're so quiet? And she says, oh, I'm kind of disappointed in myself. She said, uh, I thought I taught you better than that. And I said, what, what did I do wrong? And she said, she said, boy, ain't no white man going to give you no scholarship to go play <laughs> basketball and, and to get an education. And she said, uh, how stupid are you? You think you're going you know, to play basketball and they're going to give you an education? You're crazy. And she would, she never believed it. Right <laughs> up to the day I got on campus, she did not believe that I, that I, I will get the scholarship. So anyway, um, there was a guy in Pittston, Pennsylvania, who Al Severance knew. And he put together like what we call today uh, an AU team. And we played in a, in a tournament in Wilkesburg, and we won it. And so, anyway, uh, he told Al Severance about me, and and so Al invited me down to campus. And so my high school coach brought me down, and and we visited campus, and 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 Coach uh, Severance offered a scholarship right while I was on campus. And so my coach said, "Well, let George and I talk, and then we'll 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 uh, tell you." And so Al left the room and we talked and I had supreme confidence in my, my high school coach. And he just said, I think you should take this scholarship and Michigan state, St. Joe's a guy who really, really recruited me and did a phenomenal job somewhere in my storage. I have every letter he wrote to me it was the coach at Gettysburg. He wrote me these long letters by hand. He'd send me two or three a week. Wow. And, but, at the end of the day, when I look back on it, I, I should have had it figured out that there was no way I was not going to go to a Catholic school because the boarding school were uh, all the, the, the instructors and supervisors were, no, were nuns and then a priest headed up the school. And so I, uh, there was no way they were going to let me go anywhere but a Catholic school. And so, so I ended up uh, getting the opportunity uh, to, to go to Villanova and it was the greatest opportunity of, of, of my lifetime uh, because uh, first of all, first person in my family to ever go to college and, and then to go to some place uh, where you, you had people who, who are thinically cared about you. In those days, if you, uh, Villanova was about about grad graduating it wasn't there was, i couldn't think of one guy on the team at villanova who who was uh, had aspirations of playing in the nba just wasn't part of it if you went to villanova on a basketball scholarship you were expected to do your school work and graduate and basketball was just part of it and then um and so i can't think of one time in my four years where i felt basketball was more important than academics and and at Villanova I, I uh, it was an interesting transition for me uh, because I had never been in an, in an all-white environment like that before but it was never uncomfortable but it was just it was, it was just an interesting transition when I look back now on my life 
if there's one thing I'm absolutely certain of is I could have been a far better student at Villanova than I, than I was. I didn't really understand the value of education. I knew it was important, but, but I, 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 I just didn't have a, a sophisticated thought process that, that empowered me to want to be the best possible student I could be. It took me a long time to, to just uh, feel like I could compete in the classroom. And in those days, Vilna was a different institution. Uh, for example, uh, you had to wear, uh, you had to have a jacket and a tie on at class. Uh, uh, you, you, you couldn't eat, you couldn't eat in the dining hall without a jacket and a tie on. Wow. And uh, so it, it was a very disciplined and, and regimented structure. But it, I've been, we all benefited from it. And I was very fortunate in that I had a coach in Al Severance who was really more than a coach. As you probably know, Al, by profession, was a lawyer. And at one time, he was the justice of the peace in Paoli. And so Al loved to teach uh, us little life lessons along the way. One time we came back off a road trip and I had to write a paper on common law marriage. And I made the mistake on the the bus back out to campus of asking Al if he knew anything about common law marriage. And from that minute till the time we pulled up in front of the old field house, Al was still lecturing me on the origin of common law marriage. <laughs> Coach, how many, uh, when you got on campus, that would have been uh, 50s? I got there in 56 and finished in 60. How, how many black students were on campus at that time? I would say uh, Charlie Jenkins, who was a great uh, Hall of Famer and a, a, a Olympic gold medalist in the melt, and at that time we didn't have meters, I mean uh, metrics. Uh, so Charlie won the 400 meters in Melbourne, and, and so we stay in touch. He's got his doctorate, and he lives in Maryland. And I, I'm pretty sure there was 11 of us, and, and 10 of us were on were on scholarship and there was one uh, a student who was on an academic scholarship. And uh, it, it, I don't, I was trying to think back because I said, uh, somewhere they're gonna ask me if, if I had racial problems at, at Villanova. As far as the school was concerned, I, I, I couldn't think of one time that, that it was ever uh, a, a, an issue except a couple of times when we went on the road to play a, uh, a, a basketball game. But uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, my, my four years at, at Villanova. It, it was truly a gift. To, 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 and if I had to do it all over right now and I had to make a decision, I would still go there. I always say the litmus test of a school is, is uh, after you, you, you've been away from the school 10 years, would you still make the same decision? And I wouldn't care if it was Harvard or Princeton or Yale. I would, for me, I would still go to Villanova because I had a marvelous four years there. That, that's, that means the world to all of us, man. That is, that's a heck of a statement. How about your, your teams, your four years? Um, what, what were your teams like? And we, could you play as a freshman or did you have to sit out as a freshman? No, we had to sit out as a, as a, as a freshman. We had some good teams. Uh, I, I, I'd have to go back and look, but I, my junior and senior, we, we were ranked and we, we played. Uh, uh, in those days, the NC2A wasn't a big deal. If you had a choice between going to the NIT or going to the uh, – uh, the NCAA, it, it was, you'd go to the uh, NIT. But the other thing I look back on is, is how lucky I was to be on the team at Villanova because of the Big Five. The Big Five was, was, was uh, you know, it was an amazing competition uh, and, and it brought out the, the, the best in, in, in all of us. But, um, the, the, it was just a, 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 a 
a really balanced pr perspective. I, like I said, it, I, I never had the temptation to have to be distracted by playing uh, pro basketball because that wasn't a pathway to the future uh, for me. I had a cousin who he, he, he just retired about a year ago. He was the oldest federal judge in America, but went to Dartmouth and, and then Georgetown Law School. He was my role model. And so I always wanted to be like him. And so my thought was I'd go to Villanova and graduate, take the law exam and try to go to law school. And that was, that was uh, my, my vision. Uh, when when uh, throughout the four years I, I was there, uh, it didn't exactly end up that way. I had, when I graduated, I got a job working for Sunoco as a marketing analyst. And, and uh, interesting enough, Jay, the first year I was at Sunoco, they, they had me uh, in charge of uh, new uh, gas station openings. And the first gas station open, opening that I did was with Roger Penske. Roger Penske had this gas station, and I, I had to put together the promotion that? and so forth. But that, that, and so that was my, my uh, one of those, another example of always being in the right place at the right time. That's the story of my life. And so, so we, put, we, uh, we had this big opening uh, of the Sunoco station, and Roger Penske was the one that, that owned the franchise. That's awesome, man. I, I want to, um, in this first half of the segment, I want to finish up on your um, transition from college to coaching because I, I, you, you went on to become one of the first assistant uh, black head coaches in the ACC, first head black coach in the, in the Pac-10, um, head leader of the Black Coaches Association, head coach at Iowa, head coach at USA incredible hall of fame but but today i want to just talk about a, a young a black man's experience at, at that time because we're doing this series with our young players now we did it with kerry kittle that era and your era is so important what did you do and we're, we're going to take a break after we get this and then get on to your recruiting but what did you do right after college after sunoco to get into coaching well, what happened, Jay, was Jack Kraft kept trying to get me to, to, to be an assistant. And I and I, I had never once in my life ever considered being a coach. And, and so Jack kept, at, uh, uh, in his own little way, recruiting me to be on the staff. And so I just said, well, uh, I'll try to do, I'll try to do it uh, part-time for you. And so I might've been the first part-time assistant, but I continued to work, to work at, 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 at Sunoco. Uh, and I, I, I got a promotion and I continued to work there. And then finally, um, uh, Co uh, Coach Kraft uh, 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 wore me down. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And then I, and, and then I got a job working at Converse. And so, so I would go out in the, in, in the afternoons or late afternoons and, 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 and be on campus. And the other time I'd do my job uh, uh, f full time. And in those days, I, a lot of it was, I, I used to say to myself, well, this is the least that I can do to show Villanova how much I appreciate them investing a scholarship in me. And I, I, I felt like I could uh, really honestly recruit players to go there. One, I had lived it, I believed in it. And so I, I, I would, any chance I got to try to talk a, a, a person into going to Villanova, I, I, I did. But really my, my, my real uh, aspiration was to one day to, to, to become a lawyer, but it, it just never, uh, turned out the way I, I had hoped that it did. But I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, regrettable about it. I, uh, well, tell you what, your, your legendary coaching and recruiting career comes next. We're going we're gonna to take a little break, and then we're going to get on to what I think a lot of basketball fans will find fascinating about 
you were recruiting in the 60s during all the civil unrest and you, you were going down south and, and recruiting young black men to come up north to go to Villanova. We'll take a break first, Mike. You're listening to the Talking Villanova Basketball Podcast with Jay Wright, presented by Hartford Funds. We'll return after this. When Mother Nature strikes, count on your certaintyed roof to perform. That's the commitment we've made to homeowners for more than 100 years. For roofing you can rely on, look no further than CertainTeed. To find a CertainTeed credentialed contractor near you, visit CertainTeed.com. This is a shout-out to the professional tailgaters, game-day grillers, and potluck pros. Whether you bake it, smoke it, stack it, or melt it, there's nothing more important about how you cook up your team spirit while serving it with an ice-cold Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, or Coke Life. We may not all agree on the best game day foods, but when you serve your meals with a Coke, you know you've got yourself a winner. Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. ExxonMobil and Dunn Manning, proud sponsors of Villanova Wildcat Athletics. This podcast is brought to you by Hartford Funds, a leading asset manager based in Wayne, Pennsylvania. While other investment management companies measure performance against the S&P 500, Hartford Funds has a different measure of success, investor satisfaction. Hartford Funds, our benchmark is the investor. J.J. White Incorporated is the single-source, multi-trade contractor for your next construction project. Since 1920, J.J. White Incorporated has been constructing with knowledge and providing service with integrity and safety. Visit J.J. White online at jjwhiteinc.com. Are you looking for something imprinted or embroidered? If so, let Campus Clothes help you get the look. Whether your team is in the corporate office or on the athletic field, Campus Clothes can supply your team with all its needs. Visit us on the web at campusclothes.com or give us a call at 215-357-0892. You may not play well, but you will always look good. If you think your debit card can't help you with your financial game, you're probably not using the red key. Introducing EasyUp by KeyBank, the tool that helps you reduce debt by setting $1 aside from your checking account every time you use your debit card. Automatically racking up savings and paying down debt with EasyUp. It's how you make financial progress. KeyBank is member FDIC and the exclusive retail bank of Villanova Athletics. NovaCare, the exclusive provider of physical therapy to Villanova. The Wildcats choose NovaCare. So can you. We are back talking Villanova basketball presented by Hartford Funds, and we resume with Coach George Raveling. Coach Wright? Thanks, Mike. And, you know, we, we talked about Coach's career as a player, and, uh, you know, as, as he began coaching, it, it, it's an incredible career, but we want to focus on the, the era of the 60s and, and, and Coach Raveling at Villanova as a, as a black assistant coach, first ever. Um, and, and, and what was going on in the South and going down South to recruit um, black student athletes in the South to come North. Coach, give us the insight of, of that, that time. We're, we're talking like 61, 62, 63, when you first started in, in that coaching, correct? Yeah, about, about 64 and that. Actually, Jay Villanova was the first predominantly white school to ever recruit the black athlete in, in the South. And, and to kind of set the, the social and educational landscape of America at that time, uh, racial segregation was a, an integral part of the fabric of, of, of America, particularly in the South. And, and so one day I'm reading a, uh, Sports Illustrated, and they had this, uh, uh, they used to have in the very uh, early pages, they, they'd have a thing called Faces in the Crowd, and they would, would pick up people who had done extraordinary things in sports. And so this one day I'm reading Sports Illustrated and Faces in the Crowd, and it's got an art, a picture and a, a, a little brief uh, summary 
of a young man named Johnny Jones at Blanche Eli High School in Fort Lauderdale, and he scored 85 points in the game. And I said, damn, I know some, I knew dudes that could be in a gym all day by themselves and couldn't score 85. And so I got on the phone and I called down to the, to the school and, and asked for the basketball coach. And he came on. I, I said, hey, I read this thing in Sports Illustrated. Is that true? And he said, oh, yes, it, it, it's true. He, he, said, uh, he said, coach, he had three games uh, over 42 beside the 85. And so I, uh, I went down and, 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 and met his, his, his coach and Johnny and, and got him to, uh, to come to, uh, up for, uh, 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 to over for a visit. But before we go in any deeper in the, into Johnny J, I, I think our audience needs to understand that at that time in the South, uh, the, the schools were all segregated. They, they were either all black or all white. Black high uh, schools uh, in sports were not allowed to participate in the state championship. And so when one traveled from, say, Philadelphia into the Deep South, you had to, to uh, take on a different personal deportment the drinking fountains, the bathrooms, the hotels, the stores, the hospitals, the transportation, the schools, the cities, everything was segregated. And you had to ad adhere to, to, to those things. If you needed to go to the bathroom, you had to, you, it was, you'd have to go where it said colored only. If you went to the store, it was all traditional. You could never come in the front part of the store. You always had to go around to the, to the uh, back, there were there were no hotels that would accept uh, uh, Negroes at that time. So it, when I go down to recruit Porter or Johnny Jones or Sammy Sims, I would have to find a, a room that I uh, in those days there were homes where you could get a room, and if you if you you took the room, you got a meal with it. And so because there were no restaurants for a black person to go eat. And, and, and the other thing, once I started recruiting down there, I, one of the things I learned early, you, you never, you're never out after dark because it, you, might, you, you might not see the daylight of the next day because you might get lynched. And so those, those were the times. And it was even, Jay, back in those times, there was a common belief in the Deep South uh, of uh, an educated Negro is a dangerous Negro. And, and over the years, those type of things really served as meaningful motivation for me. It's just like when, the, when you couldn't get a library card or, or in the days of the slavery, the, the plantation owners uh, uh, hid their money in books and put it up on the shelf. And I said to my grandma, why'd they do that? And she said, because they knew the slaves couldn't read, so they'd never take the books off the shelf. So things like that motivated me to, to I said, okay, I get it, I get it. If you can control a person's mind, then you can control their body. And so I'd say to myself, that's never gonna happen to me. They'll never be able to control my mind because I'm gonna read, I'm gonna try to educate myself. So that they will never be able to control my body. And so going to into the South and recruiting was, was uh, in the beginning, it was, it was easy because there was no one else to recruit. This was always the case, like with Johnny Jones. I'd say, coach, who's recruiting? Florida A&M, Tennessee State, uh, uh, Bethune-Cookman. It would be all traditional. Uh, traditionally black uh, uh, colleges, but they would never mention a white school in that. And so Johnny was, the, uh, was our first successful player. And um, you, you didn't have to watch him play, but, but once or twice to know that, that, he, that he was special. He, I used to say about him, he was, he was born to score. And, and then, uh, from from Johnny Jones, we 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 uh, we went uh, uh, to Howard Porter, and um, 
so so Jack sent me down uh, to a, a Sarasota Booker. I found I had a friend that I met who was a sports writer for the uh, St. Petersburg Times, and and he uh, took a liking to me, and he would tell me uh, about all the, the the great black players. He was a he was a white uh, person, but he 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 uh, he would he'd call me up or write me letters and say you need to go see this. So he calls me up one day and he says, "Hey, we might have the best player to ever play in the state of Florida down here, at Sarasota Booker." And so I go down to see Porter play, and I get there late and I miss practice. And so his coach was named Al Baker, and he he said, he said, "Oh, we tried to stretch practice as long as it can." He said, "But." I'll have him shoot some for you, coach. And so I remember this like it was yesterday. One time Porter made 17 straight jumpers out of the left-hand corner. I had never seen a big guy who ever played away from the basket could shoot like he could. And then he would, he would go in and dunk it. It was like a ballerina. And so I remember that night I called, uh, I called Jack Kraft. I said, coach, I said, this guy can play for us right now. He'd start for us right now, coach. <laughs> and, and, and so uh, we were able to successfully re recruit him uh, to Villanova. But what's amazing about that situation was that year we had what might have been uh, the best recruiting year during my time anyway. So we, we get Porter committed. Uh, I what find out – Say that. What year was that? The year that it had been about 65. 65, right around 64, 65 in there. And so Porter's team went 32 and 0. So they get invited to this tournament in Montgomery called the National Negro High School Basketball Championship. And so in essence, it was it was the it was the NCAA tournament before the NCAA tournament, because no black schools could participate in state championships. Uh, the coach at Carver High and Montgomery started this national tournament. And they were bringing all the best black schools and they play in the tournament. Whoever won was crowned the National Negro High School champion. And wow. so Porter's team played in that. So I go up to Montgomery to see him play. And my God, I, the, Jay, the talent was, 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 it was so good it was illegal. The teams had so many good players. And so so they have this team uh, from Dothan, Alabama, Carver High School, and 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 they come out for the warm-up, and all of a sudden I look, and there's this dude, 7-2. And so it turns out to be Artis Gilmore. Wow. So I started recruiting him, and, and uh, he actually committed to – to Villanova, and then we had Hal uh, Booker from Darby uh, Colwyn uh, also. So on that that uh, summer, we bring uh, Porter and, and Booker and, and Artis Gilmore on this summer league team out at Narbeth called the Three Country Boys. And <laughs> Jay, and Jay the, the, on the one side at the playground at Narbeth, they had stands. But when we played, we easily averaged close to 100 a game, and, and the place would be standing room only for, for <laughs> our, our, our games. And That's amazing. to tell you how good those guys were, uh, I took them up to 25th and Diamond one Saturday morning, Porter and, and, and Artis and, and, and uh, Booker and a couple of the guys. And we went up to 25th and Diamond and we ruled the court for about an hour and a half. And boy, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't easy to win up in 25th and Diamond then because that's where everybody met to play. And those, so that was a, a, a milestone in recruiting. And, and so anyway, what happened with Artisan and Booker was they hadn't passed the test. So at that time, there's a place called Brown Prep in Philly. And so we put them in, the, in Brown Prep, and they guaranteed us that they would tutor them and they'd get through. And so uh, uh, artists missed it by five points and, and Booker by three. So we didn't end up getting them. And artists went to uh, Gardner-Webb Junior College and then on to Jacksonville. But can you imagine if we'd have had those guys? <laughs> Well, you went to the you went to the national championship game without them. If you yeah, if you would have had them, it would have been unbelievable. Just for uh, our, it, it probably would have been illegal. 
<laughs> just for our fans that, you know, just to give some reference there, um, Booker played at Darby Collin, which is just outside of Philly, right down by Chester. And 25th and Diamond is North Philadelphia for the non-Philadelphians. That is, is the, the toughest place to play basketball, one of the toughest in America. That, that's, hey, Jay, that's an amazing uh, Darby Colwyn is the only high school in the history of Pennsylvania that ever had back-to-back -back state champions and, and undefeated. They won 52 in a row. Oh, they're going to love that you gave a shout-out for that, Coach. Oh, they wound up splitting up, right, into Darby Township, I believe. And then, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, um, and, 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 and uh, Hal Blitman was the coach, and he ended up taking those guys up to Cheney State. And they won, they won the national championship. Wow, that's, that's great stuff. Hey, Coach, what – so when you were going down south to recruit, you had – well, you had to be scared going down there. Like you say, you know, you're saying an educated black man is dangerous in the south. So they know you're coming down there to, to steal players, to bring them up north, right? And then what did those – what did the, the um, Howard Porters and Johnny Jones, were they afraid to come up to the north? What was, what was the perspective back then? I, 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 in those days, uh, the, the coach had so much influence be, uh, because he was, he was a, a, a surrogate father for those uh, players. And it, it was a, it was fascinating because there was no competition and, 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 and just the idea that they could go from Sarasota to Philadelphia. Most of those guys never got out of their neighborhood. And now I'm going to get a chance to get, to go to, to, to Philadelphia. And, 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 it's, and, the, and so it wasn't that difficult. When I look back on it now, I think a lot of it had to do with relationships and trust the coaches trusted me and they trusted uh, Villanova. What I, I come to, to think about a lot in my elder years is what a, a cultural adjustment it had to be for Johnny Jones or Porter or Sammy Sims or those guys. Uh, the first time they've ever had to, to coexist in a, in a predominantly white environment. At the time, Jay, I, I, I have to confess, I wasn't sensitive enough to really understand the sophistication of a cultural adjustment that they had to make. I think naively I felt, well, if I can do it, they can do it. But I didn't come out of the same type of background as they did. And so they put, they put their lives and, and their trust in Villanova, their parents and their coach put their, those kids' uh, lives and, and, and careers uh, and, and believe in, in Villanova. But I think after we were able to realize success on and off the court with guys like Porter and, and Johnny Jones, uh, it, it, it served as a visible model uh, as we continued to try to recruit the black athlete. But then there came a time when predominantly white schools all started. The, the state the schools, University of Florida, University of Tennessee, University of Alabama, those schools now started to, to integrate. And so it, it was a lot more difficult uh, to get players out of, out of the, the South but early on, it wasn't difficult. I do really feel a little uh, ashamed that I wasn't more sensitive about the, uh, uh, the cultural adjustments that they had to make. Uh, they being uh, Porter and Johnny Jones, Sammy Sims, some of those early players that we got from uh, out of the South. That's, that's very interesting. What, what was the... Um... At, at that time, for for those guys coming up, tell our listeners about when though you would take those teams to play in the South, and when even when you played certain places, you, you guys couldn't even like in Kentucky and places like that, right? West Virginia, you couldn't stay in hotels, correct? Yeah, well, the the, the most vivid. Uh, uh, reference which has an indelible 
imprint on my mind was we go down to we I was on a team at that time uh, we go down to play Wake Forest in a big game we're both nationally ranked and we didn't technology obviously has changed the way we live forever but there was no technology in those days and so um, I'm not sure that Wake Forest even knew that Villanova had any black players and so uh, we go down to play the game and we take the train down and we get to Winston-Salem and we get off and we go over to the hotel and the hotel is is uh, um, is uh, the Robert the Robert E. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's uh, the, the, the Robert E. Lee Hotel. And so as a result, uh, uh, we get there and, and all of a sudden they realize that Vilno's uh, got two black players on the team. And so we, uh, Al gets the keys to the room and he comes and he hands out the, the, the keys. And, um, and so we, we, we get on the elevator. Uh, I'm almost sure Jimmy Hugger was on that team. And, and, uh, yeah, and so, so we are on the elevator. And in those days, you didn't have auto, uh, automatic uh, elevators. So they had an elevator uh, operator. And so he comes, and he's white. And he looks, and he sees us on there. And he says, where are you niggas going? And, and we didn't say anything. We, and so he reached down and picked up our suitcases and th threw them out in in into the uh, reception area. And then, of course, the, the guys on the team were, <laughs> were all ready to, to, to rumble. <laughs> and, and if you knew Hug, Hug, Hug always, it was a little <laughs> dude, but he had a big mouth. <laughs> and so, so, so we, we, they, they finally get it under control. And, and, and so, so uh, the manager comes and, um, and so Coach Severance is trying to talk some sense into him. And um, I remember overhearing him say to Coach, he said, Coach, if we let these niggas stay here, no self-respecting white person would ever stay at this hotel again. He said, we just can't do it. Wow. So we're trying, the next train's not back to Philly to three the next day. And, and so all the players wanted, you know, want to go back. And I'm trying to, to remember uh, when you get 83, I'm trying to remember if it was Kenny Harrison or, or UB White, one of the, the, of them was the other black players. So anyway, we talked, and uh, and so I I said, well, look, we're down here now. Let's just just play the damn game. We'll win the game. Get the hell out of here. But <laughs> but what are we gonna do? Uh, and then I remembered that uh, I had a friend over at Winston Salem, uh, Cleo Hill, who I knew from Newark. And so I said, well, I'm gonna call Cleo. So I called Cleo and told him what happened. He said stay put i'll be over there so next thing i know about 30 minutes later in comes cleo and big house Gaines. he was the coach at winston-salem at the time and things. so and so he was really well respected the manager knew who he was and he tried to explain to them and so forth <laughs> and so finally we uh, uh coach Gaines said well coach sevens if you want the boys to stay I can take them over. Uh, I'll take Georgia. And I, as I say, I can't remember if it was Hubie or, or Kenny uh, Harrison, but he said, I'll take them over to my campus. We'll feed them, make sure they get back and forth and so forth. And so uh, what was interesting, as a compromise, the manager finally said to Al, he said, well, we'll let them eat in the dining room if you want, in a private dining room. But that, by that time, it was too late. So we ended up... Uh, 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 going over and staying at Winston Salem, and uh, sadly, we ended up losing the game. That uh, went, uh, uh, Wake Forest had a hell of a team. In fact, their point guard was Billy Packer. But wow. so that was probably the most uh, overt uh, illustration of racism during my four years there as a uh, as as a student athlete. Uh, uh, 
but it was part of a, the, the the times, and we we just had to adjust to them. Uh, I don't know that we had got to the point uh, uh, of demonstrating and so forth as we do to today. But um, with all that said, I as I said earlier, I I would still go to Villanova. There was. There was, I didn't have, I have zero regrets about ever going uh, to school there. I love it. I, it's such a great piece of history for all of us to remember, for our young guys. I can't wait for our young guys to listen to this. And um, you, you're, you're so uh, special in, in terms of your perspective and your intelligence and, and, and your experiences. And we're going to, we're going to end this episode, but we're going to come back, Coach, and we're going to have another episode with you when we start your career after Villanova, being a leader as a uh, black head coach and, and, um, and also talking about the time today, what you've learned as president of Nike Global and all the experiences you've had. You, you're just a, a wealth of knowledge for all of us. Thank you, buddy, for being on. Uh, thank you. Uh, we love God you. bless, and I hope all of, uh, we get back to playing. And uh, there's nothing I enjoy m more than sitting in front of the TV watching us whack some of those teams. <laughs> You're the best, Coach. Love you. That's love awesome. You. And just to wrap up, Coach, that was in February of 1960, that Wake Forest game. So it would have been Hubie White. Uh, oh, okay. Your, thank you. Thank you. Would have been your teammate on that. We thank Coach Raveling, Coach Wright. Uh, thanks for listening to the Talking Villanova podcast presented by Hartford Funds. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Just a reminder, you can follow Coach Wright on Twitter at VUCoachJWright. You can also follow Villanova Basketball at NovaMBB on Twitter and Instagram. We'll have alerts posted on those accounts whenever a new podcast is available for download. Or you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean. And for more great content, check out the web home of the Wildcats, Villanova.com. For our producer, Matt Fraschilla, this is Mike Sheridan saying thanks again for stopping by. We look forward to having you join us again next time for the Talking Villanova Basketball podcast presented by Hartford Funds.